Thank you, Lorraine. And uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, nice to see you here. And if you're online, great to have you with us as well. We're continuing uh, a little sermon series that we're going to pursue all the way up until Easter, looking at passages in Isaiah, four famous passages in Isaiah, uh, called the Servant Songs. Uh, and two weeks ago, I gave a little introduction to this sermon series. So if you're intrigued and you think, oh, I'd like to know a bit more about the background to Isaiah or about how all that works, you can go back on YouTube or to our podcast and you can listen to that and uh, follow it on. But today we're going to look at this um, passage that... Lorraine read uh, for us just now. Father God, we ask that you would pour out your spirit, that our ears may be unstopped and our hearts opened to hear and receive your word, and that we may become obedient to respond. We ask this in the name of Jesus, your son, our Lord. Amen. I have a couple of uh, memories um, of my destructive nature from my childhood. I would often play alone in our small back garden in Bristol. Uh, and I used to like taking a bamboo cane in my hand with which I would then pretend that I was sword fighting like Robin Hood or King Arthur. Uh, and of course the intention of a fight, a sword fight, is to inflict an injury upon your enemy. Uh, and lacking any other suitable enemies, lacking any brothers or sisters to hit, uh, I used to pretend that the flowers or the tomato plants were my enemies. We had a small vegetable patch as well, and I found that marrows or courgettes could give a passable impression of a human flesh wound when you hit it with a bamboo sword. Another memory of my destructive nature at that age was um, playing with friends near an old abandoned light industrial building. And we delighted in seeing whether we could smash any of the remaining panes of glass on the upper floors with a well-thrown Stone, And there's something about your average nine or ten-year-old boy, I think some of us are going to like resonate with this, um, which delights in proving our strength against the weak and the defenceless, whether that's vegetables or windows. And actually, I think there's something peculiarly violent and cruel in each of us, which preys upon the vulnerable and seeks to organise our world into the strong and the weak. When we organise our societies and our institutions into hierarchies of power and strength, we often use them to prey upon the vulnerable, to bolster our strength. And when that happens, that thing that we call injustice ensues. And time and time again, when we read the Bible, we discover that God opposes injustices. He opposes the injustices, sorry, that we construct and sustain, and instead God seeks to establish justice in the earth. And this is one of the central themes of the first of these servant songs in Isaiah 42, that God will send a servant with a special vocation to establish justice. And as we explored a couple of weeks ago, there are four of these servant songs uh, in chapters 42, 49, 50, and 52, 53. And each one has a, a different theme describing the nature and the work of the servant of the Lord. The first one that we've just heard is uh, concerned with a vocation to justice. The second song uh, is about the servant being a light to the nations. The third is about how the servant is a word of truth. 
And the fourth song is, is about how the servant is a substitutionary offering, a, a sacrificial offering. Now, we should remember that as Christians, when we read these servant songs in Isaiah, they are for us prophetic signposts to Jesus. And Jesus himself um, seems to see these passages as pointing to himself. He knew scripture brilliantly. He could respond to the temptations of the devil by quoting Torah. In Luke chapter 4, he could call for the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he could easily find the place where the prophetic words are written about him. And after reading them, he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Do you know, just as an aside, I was listening to something the other day and somebody reminded me, Jesus didn't have a Bible. Not, not in the way that we do. Like I've got several Bibles on my shelf and, and I've got a Bible app on my phone. And if, I, if I'm trying to find a passage, I can just type it into the search field. Jesus had to learn, remember, memorize and recall scripture. It was Amazing. And in Matthew chapter 12, the gospel writer is clear that this passage from Isaiah that we've just heard points to Jesus. Matthew says that Jesus fulfills what Isaiah has written. So if Jesus fulfills Isaiah's words about the servant and, and about this vocation to justice, then let's explore a little bit more about what that looks like. And I want to look at this briefly under two headings. I want to think about the character and the scope of justice. So firstly, what is the character and the nature of the justice that Isaiah describes? Well, the main thing that I notice is that justice in this passage is characterized by compassion for the vulnerable. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Things that are damaged, things that are useless, these are within the concern of the servant. It's so unlike me. I throw damaged things away. And I find things that are useless, well, useless. If my candle has burned out and the wick is just smoldering, I would snuff it out. I would happily take my bamboo sword to the bruised reed and cut it down. But God's servant that Isaiah sees foresees and that Jesus fulfills he is not like me here's how the theologian Sinclair Ferguson describes it he says this what if the bruised reeds and the dimly burning wicks are people weak people frail people people life has damaged even people we don't see any use for any longer does Jesus ignore them stuff them out after all, they're just dimly burning wicks. Now, truth to tell, we're all bruised reeds and dimly burning wicks in the Lord's sight. But he doesn't throw us away or snuff us out. That's the character and the nature of God's justice. And, and that's good news for each of us. So if that's firstly the character of God's justice, what about its scope, secondly. Well, there's something universal about it. I love my family, and naturally I have a protective instinct for my wife and my children, and by extension, we often have a concern for those who are like us in ethnicity, in age, in background, in nationality, etc. Something about this can lead to a form of patriotism which is good and honourable, but I'm afraid that often it leads to a kind of nationalism 
which wants to protect my interests and those of others in my tribe over and against the concerns of others. And, and at its very worst, it often leads to greed, exploitation and violence as evidenced by war and conflict in every age. You see, there's a version of language about justice that is tribal and local, about protecting my own. But this is not the nature of the justice that the servant in Isaiah 42 announces. He will bring justice to the nations. Nations, plural. He establishes justice on earth. If the character of justice is compassion for the vulnerable, the bruised reeds and the smouldering wicks, then the scope of justice is universal, not only justice for Israel, but for the nations. Justice only for Israel is not enough. The scope of God's saving work is the whole of creation. And in this sense, God's justice isn't really properly established anywhere until it's properly established everywhere. Perhaps you feel inspired by the character and the scope of God's justice described. But how can we retain our confidence that this will be established everywhere one day? What can we do when we feel discouraged or dismayed by the violence and the cruelty that we see in the world around us? Whether that's a 10-year-old boy with a bamboo sword or a violent nation invading their neighbour. Well, the old King James Version of the Bible helps us out with this passage because in that translation, the opening verse of Isaiah 42 says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold. Behold. Behold. Look. Behold. Look at what Jesus is like. Jesus is steadfast and sure. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. And Jesus doesn't need to shout in the street or cry out. In fact, he was silent before his persecutors. And yet, setting his face like flint, he endures to the end, the very end, the point at which he can finally declare from the cross, it is finished. His sacrifice on the cross forgives our sin, reconciles us to God and delivers us from our bondage to death. And we remember this every time we celebrate Holy Communion. And why? Well, the letter to the Hebrews puts it this way. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. But what was the joy set before him? It was the joy of seeing God's justice established for all his people in all the earth. This is his joy, to mend his people and to fan them into flame.